What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Men's Wellness Collective Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Jordan Lewis. I am joined today by uh, my two colleagues and friends in this work, Caleb Adegoke. What's going on, man? Just another day in paradise. Glad to be here. Glad for this episode. I'm really excited about this one. Yeah. And uh, Dalen Bernie. What's going on? Oh, you know, another day trying to get by. Go. Uh, as as Caleb mentioned, we are very excited for this episode because we are doing installment one of our mini series on men and fatherhood, and I have the esteemed pleasure of welcoming my dad, Carlos Lewis, to the podcast. Dad, what is going on? How are you doing? Doing well, gentlemen, and uh, appreciate the opportunity to spend a little time with you this evening. Uh, we've had a number of these talks over the years, and so it's uh, a welcome to uh, to share my thoughts on uh, on the topic of, of today. So look, looking forward to, to having a good discussion. Awesome. Awesome. So um, I thought we would kick it off. As you mentioned, Dad, we've had a number of different conversations, and the three of us, Caleb, Dalen, and I, as being mental health professionals, we really like to look at manhood, masculinity, the things that men go through from a number of different perspectives and a number of different lenses. Um, and fatherhood is a common lens that a lot of guys, you know, have the uh, the honor and the the duty, I would say, to uh, fulfill that role in their life. So, before we jump into to that deeper discussion. I'd like to start off with just a broad question of, you know, tell a little bit about yourself, Dad. Who is Carlos Lewis? What do you do? And, you know, tell a little bit about kind of your story and you got to where you are today. Sure. Um, well, first off, who is Carlos Lewis? Um, I would say uh, I'm a father. Uh, I'm a husband. Um, I'm a son, a son-in-law. Um, <clears throat> and I'm a lawyer. Um, so those are the things that I guess describe me. I'm from uh, Quincy, Illinois, slash Lagrange, Missouri. Uh, each of which are, you know, small uh, river towns that uh, are along the Mississippi River, just uh, a couple of hours um, north of, of St. Louis. So uh, grew up in a small, small area. Um, went to school. Uh, played sports, um, uh, ended up going to law school, and then me and my family have been living in Kansas City now for the last uh, 20, I guess 22, 23 years, um, you know, after I, I started my practice here. So um, I guess that's being in, you know, a minute. Appreciate you sharing that. Give everybody just a, a quick glimpse into you. Let's let's jump in from there to, you know, the discussions around around manhood first before we even jump into fatherhood, because you didn't start as a father. You didn't arrive on this earth as a father, but you did arrive as a young boy who, you know, grew up to be a man. So in kind of the area that you grew up in, the culture, the lifestyle, the family that you grew up in, what were what would you say are some of the earlier messages around what it meant to be a man? your perspective and, and where did those messages kind of come from for you? Who taught you those things um, and where were you receiving that guidance or that programming you could say? Sure. So, you know, 
you know this, so I'll share it with the with the panel here. Is that you know I grew up as uh, you know in a single uh, family home with my mom being the only only parent. Uh, my dad was never around, <clears throat> and so you know I was fortunate though that I had a lot of uncles, um, and I had uh, a grandfather uh, who was really involved uh, in my life, and you know I've spent. Uh, a number of years, you know, living with my grandparents. And so um, we developed that father, you know, son relationship, even though he was he was my grandfather. And then I had a number, like I said, uh, uh, my mom is uh, one of 12 uh, kids. And so, you know, I had, uh, you know, six, seven, you know, uncles who all of whom I was very, very close, uh, close with. So I think you know, I, I got a lot of, and I also had a, a very involved, uh, um, I guess he was, a, an ex, he was a cousin, but he was a godfather to me. So um, I took my sort of influences <coughs> collectively from my uncles, from my grandfather, and from my godfather. And, you know, if I think back, it, it's... Yeah, I was very lucky, you know, that they were, you know, in my life and and there for me. Um, but when I think about it, you know, it wasn't like they were communicating, to put it in your words, you know, messages and, and what it meant to be a man or what it meant to be a father or husband or whatever. But I did learn a lot just through observation. Um, and so, you know, I, I paid attention to how all of those different male influences behaved, um, how they, you know, ran their families, um, and how they sort of conducted themselves. And so if I think about it, the things that I learned would be, uh, like I said, more observational than something that was communicated to me. But, you know, it was always about, you know, number one, <clears throat> you know, being a provider. You know, I saw all of these guys get up every day, go to work, most of them, you know, worked uh, in the same, you know, companies or same factories for decades. Uh, my grandfather worked at the same place for, you know, 44 years. Uh, a number of my uncles have been uh, with their companies, you know, 30 plus years at this point. And so I think watching them, you know, get up, go to work every day and take care you know, of, of the people and their families, I think that's the first thing that would that kind of resonates with me <clears throat> as being a man is, is sort of, you know, always being a provider. Um, and then I think, you know, after that, it's it's probably, um, you know, I think about being a protector, I guess I would say, like, you know, th these are, you know, the same guys that was always sort of hovering over, you know, their families and trying to, you know, direct you know, their kids, or in my case, you know, their nephews or, or grandsons into, you know, doing the right things. Um, so the protection aspect, not necessarily like physical protection, although that, you know, would have been there too. It was more like protecting our interest, making sure, you know, that we were given, uh, you know, given an opportunity to do something, to, yeah, the best, the best way. So, mm. and then finally, I would say, um, sticking along that, that theme is like problem solver. Like, you know, all of those men 
particularly my grandfather and my and my godfather were the ultimate decision makers, you know, for their families. So, you know, whether they may take input, you know, from from others, you know, within the family, but ultimately they were going to make the decision um, and they were going to make the decision that was best for the families. And they were going to, you know, have the support of their families in a way that everybody trusted them that they were going to make the right decision. So those are the things that sort of, if I reflect on it, um, those are the things that kind of resonate with me as, as far as what I more or less observe, even though it may not have been communicated or verbalized, you know, over, over the years in my childhood. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I just kind of, you know, what I hear you saying is like, you saw a lot of what the men were doing and it was just kind of leading by example. It's like, we're going to go to work. We're going to provide, we're going to like be the protectors and like, we're going to show up and we're going to do these things. And you're kind of also expected to do the same thing, you know, even though we're not going to tell you that, but if everyone's doing the same thing, you're naturally going to fall into line. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was definitely, you know, sort of, you know, by example, mm -hmm. although the examples also included situations where if my grandfather saw one of my uncles, for example, not doing the things that he thought that they should be doing uh, around those sort of three elements, he was very quick, you know, to uh, to point that out and, and, and get them, you know, on the on a straight path. So, yeah, definitely a lot of, you know, by example, um, not so much, you know, like I said, talking about it. We never sat around and, and talked about it, but the, the, the ones that I had the closest relationships with, it was clear that they were intentional about their actions and how their actions were affecting, you know, other people, you know, in our family who, who were watching. Yeah. I think that's, a, that's very interesting because again, it, I guess my preliminary knowledge of that generation that you're talking about, your grandfather's generation and guiding your father or your uncles is do what I say like and shut up. But your experience and their experience was different. It was actually like, don't just do what I say, watch what I do, and then act accordingly. Act accordingly is something that's kind of been ringing like... I don't know why, but the words act accordingly has, has been re repetitive in my life as of late. And it seems like that was kind of the message that was passed on by your grandfather to your uncles and therefore down to you. Yeah, I mean, make no mistake, Mook, there was definitely that do as I, you know, <laughs> do what I tell you to do. Um, but I found that it was more, it was easier to get along if you just did what you know you needed to do without being told. Told. Oh, okay. Or what I tell you to do, but but like I said, make no mistake. There was definitely a lot of 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 that. You will do what you're told to do when you're told to do it, how you're told to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, if 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 you know, for for the for the ones in my family, and I had a lot of male cousins who also were kind of in the same situation, which is you know, single mothers, um, and they were getting the same, you know, they had the same access. You know, we were living together uh, at my grandfather's, you know, we were, um, you know, all sort of around the same group of uncles, you know, and there was three or four of us that that had that same you know, three or four of us cousins, you know, the the sons of single mothers who were all kind of in that same circumstance. Mm -hmm. And they were, you know, we all kind of 
did things a little bit differently. Um, but the ones who went on to, I think, have some level of, of success in their own lives were the ones that paid attention to what, you know, my grandfather and, and our other uncles were actually saying. The ones that kind of stubbed their toe, you know, from time to time were ones who weren't paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I'm, that's cool to hear because one of the things that we know and hear a lot our generation of men uh, is is kind of breaking open the box of what it means to be a man, right? That necessarily being a provider or a protector, um, if you're not that, it doesn't take away your manhood card, right? And But I think hearing, it's important to hear how those aspects, when done right, when done in this really intentional way, can yield good benefits because we talk a lot on here about like as men building community. I think that's what I hear. I wish I could have been around to like witness it when you were growing up because yeah, there were these traditional roles of provider and protector, but what that created was a community of young boys who really had role models to look up to and to have like a sense of structure and guidance and I think nowadays we kind of maybe lose that to an extent when when masculinity or just identity in general is so individualized. It's kind of this sense I would imagine being a kid today, a young boy today, it's like who I can be anything, so who do I look to? Whereas it sounds like for you it was in this the right way looks like this kind of box. It was good for yeah. you, you know? Yeah, I mean, it worked. And, and, you know, we also, as a, as a family, I would describe us as very traditional and maybe to, to Mook's point around, you know, do what you're told. Like there, there was that level of, of, of structure and hierarchy, right? Um, you know, my grandpa ran the ship and it didn't matter, you know, that his uncle or that my uncles and his sons were in some cases, you know, 20 years younger, kind of like, you know, me, you and I, you know, kind of the age difference. He had a lot of, a lot of his boys were, you know, 20, 18, 20 years younger, but they kind of knew, you know, who um, had the authority. So it, it was traditional in that sense. Um, and, you know, in terms of, you know, maybe speaking up or speaking out uh, against, you know, something that my, you just wouldn't, you know, you it didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, you know, you, 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 you would probably go around the corner and, and, you know, maybe, you know, bitch and moan a little bit to anybody who would listen, but you would never, you know, challenge, um, the, the, the hierarchy and, and the authority. So in that case, it was, I think very much traditional, but it was probably, it just wasn't something that was difficult, you know, for, for us to, to get along with, at least I didn't, you know, there was no rebelling against it and I think part of it part of that is probably because you saw that it worked and and if you understood what I think was looking back on it now as an adult was very intentional if you, the, the quicker you understood that the, the quicker you could get behind everything and be like okay yeah I understand what's what's going on here and then you know it didn't it it, it took me a while after the fact that you know I grew up and had my own family and, and 
I find myself doing a lot of the same things, uh, you know, in a, in a way. So, yeah, I'd be kind of curious, like, you know, now that you've, you know, can look back and be like, oh, some of this works. And, you know, and I started doing some of these same, same things, like, was there anything you like absolutely wanted to avoid or things like you absolutely wanted to implement in like your own family? Because I think there's always those things of like, this worked really well and I need to tweak this and then this thing I'm not gonna do at all. Like were there some of those things that you figured out on your yeah, journey? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I, I think um I mean, I may have figured this out too late. Jordan could could uh give you an opinion on that, but like I think I've been way more open to feedback from my kids uh way more open to allowing them to express themselves um you know in ways that wouldn't have been uh, i don't say allowed we probably just wouldn't have even tested the waters right so jordan <laughs> and i you know, jordan and i have, have conversations over the years and you know he's he's you know um you know, giving me some advice on on different things about myself and areas that I could grow. And I think what I'm probably most proud of is that somehow he's, you know, over the years figured out that he could get comfortable in doing that. Yeah. Whereas whereas I think in a traditional um, upbringing like I had, you probably never get to that point or it's way, way, way late in life. You know what I mean? Certainly mm -hmm. not you know, in your 20s, um, because at that point, you know, the response would have been, you don't know shit, right? You don't know anything, you know, whatever. But so I think that's the thing is, is I've been um, more open, I think, to allowing um, my family, my kids to to express themselves, not only individually, but to express themselves out about us and our family so yeah like you're actually open to like feedback and even some criticism of like you know maybe i'm not perfect whereas like your grandfather and like all your uncles are like no like i'm right all the time <laughs> exactly. Like, exactly yeah yeah and, and that you know it took us a while to you know it, it you know but over time i think uh, we definitely have you know opened up to the idea that you know everybody has something to bring um, you know, to the table, no matter how young they are or maybe how inexperienced they are. And then the whole, you know, expressing your feelings and things like that. I think I've also allowed um, you know, our, our, our family to do that in a more productive way. Yeah. And that's if you, if I could real quick move. Go ahead, just go on ahead, that. Yes. Um, I can't attest to that for one. And two, now I'm kind of just thinking like, what was that like for you? I having this blueprint of what worked for you and how things were quote unquote supposed to be, and then having your own kids, having us come to you and being open to that different approach, being open to that open line of communication, even a 18 year old coming up to you and saying, this is how I feel and da 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 da, right? Uh, there are moments that, you know, pop into my head that we wouldn't get into on the podcast but i'm just like picturing you in that moment wrestling with like this is against everything i learned and witnessed growing up i would imagine there was a pull of like i will not let this happen <laughs> this is not yeah. what this is supposed to look like and yet you know you still 
allowed us to grow in that way and, and have that. So what was that challenging? I, I would imagine it'd be really, really. Uh, I think I think it, you know, it, it required a lot of uh, pillow talk conversations with your mom uh, to say, hey, you need to probably, you know, uh, listen more. Uh, so I, you know, I, I can't, I can't take, you know, the credit necessarily, you know, for that. She's um, had a completely different upbringing, you know, than than I did, and so that's where she probably, <clears throat> uh, you know, balanced me out a little bit. So that's one thing that comes to mind. The other thing that comes to mind is, at least with respect to you, maybe not so much um, your brother and sister, but you is the persistence. You know, like, like keep talking about it, you know, keep coming to me with this stuff until finally I just get wore down. I'm like, all right. I gotta, uh, so I think, I think it's, uh, you know, a little bit of having a good partner with you that can, uh, you know, bring you in and, and make you be more receptive to, to that type of, you know, dialogue or whatever. And then the other is the persistence of, you know, in, in this case, you, but, you know, the persistence of wanting to, you know, be able and feel free and comfortable to express yourself. So, you know, to add a third point, it must have been a lot easier to make that leap when you know, having a child as, an, as intelligent and being able to articulate how they feel. And be- <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with that I, a I, big think, point. I do think you're intelligent. You're, you're pretty but uh, I think I'm gonna go with the persistence. Fair, that's fair. I'll give I'll give you that. <laughs> so, so here here's one thing that I I'm noticing uh, is you have a lot of ability to navigate things within yourself. Uh, Carlos, which it seems like you helped pass that on to Jordan, and then it took on a life of its own, and he's taking it and running with it. Uh, so kudos there. But in saying that, first thing you described yourself as was a father. Second thing you described yourself as was a husband. Um, and I find that very telling. Like, that's who you see yourself as. Who was Carlos? Father, husband, and then along long list of lines uh lawyers at the very bottom typically oh you ask somebody oh who are you first thing they say oh i'm a doctor lawyer engineer carpenter therapist blah 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 and then they describe themselves and all these other things so you seem to have a very concrete identity of who you are and who you're supposed to be uh how did you develop that concrete identity of yourself Wow, that's a that's an interesting question. I'm trying to unpack that for you, I, you know, I think I end up becoming a father very young, so I think that mm. has a lot to do with that, right? And so I was a father before I was a lawyer, um, and frankly, one of the most, uh, you know, at the time, you know, Jordan was born when I was seventeen conceived when I was 16 and so in a sense that was my first like being becoming his father was the first important thing 
or first uh, significant thing that I had ever done, right? Mm. So he was born before I graduated. If you think about people and in, in, in their lives, <clears throat> and, they, and you think about milestones that are just common amongst you know everybody, right? It's you know you graduate high school and then you graduate college and maybe you go on and get a professional degree and then maybe you get married. And then you have kids and yada, 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 you advance in your life and your career. Well, the reason why I always say that is because that was the milestone for me that happened before all of that other stuff, which then shaped who I am and who I instantly said I wanted to be. Probably relating back to the fact that I didn't have, even though I had, like I said before, tremendous male role models in my life, I didn't have my actual father there. And so I knew that my goal was going to be once we found out that you know Jennifer was pregnant with Jordan is that I was going to be the best father I could be, you know what I mean? And whatever that you know looks like and means. So I think Mook, that's probably why when I and even subconsciously, I didn't I didn't say I want to this is how I'm going to lay it out. But I think that's probably the reason why. When you say who am I, I can I can go to that at the top of my list because that was the first thing that I that I did that was meaningful, and everything else that came after that, frankly, is less meaningful. Although important, it's just less less meaningful. So I can I can kind of um, you know put those things together in a, in a in a way that is the way I prioritize what I go about doing every day. Although I'm very proud of, you know, the other, other stuff is just that's probably why, you know, I'm I would say that in that in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're, you're absolutely right. Your subconscious in that moment took over. It wasn't even like a for like it was very natural. It just happened. Who's Carlos? This is me. This is who I am. Um, yeah, that's really cool. And I think it goes it goes so far to tell it tells me honestly that the things that happen in your life have an effect on who you end up becoming. Uh, that's the biggest thing that I'm getting out of this. Now, Jordan, I want to ask you from your, your perspective, like you are the firstborn, correct? So you've had of your siblings, aside of the, the nuclear family, aside from your mom, You've had the longest experience with your dad, right? It's been you, your mom, and pops for the longest. Then the other siblings came along. How have you experienced your dad in your development as manhood? And how have you seen that change? So two-part question. How have you experienced him in your development as into manhood and your definition of what is a man? And how have you seen that change over the years as you go through, you know, he had you when he was conceived at 16, 17. You probably weren't cognizant until you were like three or four. But that's like he's like 18. And then a 25 year old and a 31 year old and however old he is, he doesn't look like a day over 25. So <laughs> as you see him and you see you see his growth, you're wa- you're growing up and watching him grow up at the same time. What's that experience been like? Yeah, man, I did not expect me to get hit with a question like that. Oh, come uh, on now. You know what it is. We kept the fives. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I think um, 
I'm trying not to get like emotional, but he uh, looked back on my life. Um, my siblings, they're, they've been there. My mom's always been there. When I think about the pillar in my life, it's my dad. For, for all the good, but also all the growing pains as well. And, you know, you talk about his growth that I got to witness. I really think about it. The reason I can be on this podcast with you all and we can have the conversations about growth and the work and the healing and, and all the stuff that makes us who we are. He's modeled that from day one. You think about taking a kid from that the, all the parts I didn't get to see, but I've grown to understand taking a kid didn't grow up with father, male role models and father figures, but didn't grow up with a father who then at 17 years old makes a decision this is going to be the most important thing I ever do. Then carry it out to the, to the way, like to the degree in which he's done so. Um, with the help of my mom, I don't, uh, they, that was co-constructed, but degree to which that has happened. Um, I just think that's rare, man. I think that, I think that has instilled in me watching him become who he and continue to become who he is has instilled in me those traits and the ability to constantly be looking at myself so how can i get better how can i improve this thing um oh he talked about he watched the men in his life i've been watching him that's he that all i've been watching as far as l figure um even in moments where I've been frustrated and I look back on things, I'm like, man, he's, I could look back at a point in my time in my life at any point and say, I was frustrated with that thing then. And can look now and go and say, when I told him, he, like, he worked on that. He talked with me, he hashed it out with me. And that's, modeling right there like that's how you lead by example oh so, yeah, i'm just i try to tell him as much as i can like how grateful i am for him and i feel like our relationship now is closer than ever because the older i get the and the more i see how hard this shit is just to like do anything to have a successful business to have a successful relationship a healthy relationship you know, the thoughts of starting a family and all this stuff. And I look back at the way that they did it. I just have, I just got to give props as much as I can. So I feel like I understand him now more than I ever have. We're closer more than we ever had because he's opened up those parts of his life to me too. So I don't even know if that answers your question, but that's just the real of what it is. <laughs> yeah. And how I feel. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's almost, uh, the only way it's like the the inverse of like trickle down economics, right? It's like you're watching him become a man, and he's watching the people, he's watching the men in his life be men, and they're watching grandpa set the example of what a man is supposed to be. And mm -hmm. so, 
Yeah, it is trickle-down economics. It's like, so you're watching him, he's watching the people above him and getting guidance from them, and they're getting they're following the example that was set, which then leads me back to a question for you, Carlos. Like, at 16, your life is changing. You're having a son. You're, you're having a baby. Your life looks different. Like, I can't imagine what that must have been like for you in the moment. Like... And I think, at least, I'm going to speak for myself. I know plenty of people who have stepped to that challenge and have handled it the best they can. And I know plenty of people who got that exact same message and were like, cool, peace, I'm out, and just disappeared. When you got that, 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 that first, hey, I'm, I think I'm late text, uh... <laughs> If you know, you know. It was a rotary. It was a rotary dial phone at the time. <laughs> it wasn't one no tech. Zero. Ring on the way. It was one of these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a rotary dial phone. Yeah. There was no texting, but I, I I understand your point. Yeah. So when when you get that when when you get that call, it seems like there was. I mean, from the way I am understanding, you seem like you didn't hesitate at all. But what what was that like? What was that experience like for you? And how did you know, like, oh, okay, now I, now I have this responsibility and I got to step up and do that? I, I can honestly remember it like it was yesterday. Um, and I'll, I'll share a story with you around that. So, you know, my attitude has always been when I was young, like whatever I decide to do, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it very well. Um, it's confidence. I don't know. Some people maybe say it teeters a little bit on arrogance, but I, I, I just, I never ever had any concern about it. I, I just, and, and so the story I was going to share to you is so Jennifer's mother had driven. So Jennifer lived about 30 minutes away from where I lived. And but we went to the same high school. They used to kind of bus our little town in to the, you know, pretty much all predominantly white school. And so obviously she's white. And uh, it was a day during the summer. And I was doing a lot of with basketball and stuff like that because I was coming off an ACL injury. And so I was you know, working out. I was doing my rehab and uh and I had already known that Jennifer was pregnant and Jennifer obviously she so but Jennifer's mother drives 30 minutes or so to um come find me I guess right and during the summer you know where I was from back then it was like we just hung out on the, on the corners and we hung out in you know in the alleys and in the streets and doing things that you know 15, 16, 17 year old boys probably shouldn't have been doing, but, and she actually rolls up and says, you know, she's rightfully so, you know, her 17 year old daughter is, is pregnant. And uh, she says something to the effect of, and that's of like amongst everybody, I got friends down there. She's like, do you know that she's pregnant? Oh, I just, okay. yeah. and I just looked at her and said, yeah, I do. Which and almost like in a very matter of a fact, what's your point? Yeah. 
uh, like mm-hmm. type of way. And it wasn't to disrespect her or anything like that, because certainly looking back on it now, you know, if if my daughter would have gotten pregnant at 17, I would have been hysterical, probably very upset, probably. But it just, you know, I've just never been afraid about making a decision that I had to make and then making sure that I did what I needed to do to execute on the decision that was made. So from that day, and it was sometime in, in June of 92, I believe, I just, it wasn't a thing to me. I, I wasn't worried. Maybe it's just I was too dumb and too young to even know but what how difficult it could have been. But we didn't make it difficult, so therefore it wasn't. Mm. So we just we just did what needed to be done. And I've always had the confidence of making the decision and seeing it through and just doing what needs to be done. And that part does, I think, you know, come from my grandpa because, you know, I see him get up every day at 3.30 in the morning, go to work, just because that's what needed to be done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Make it happen. So, yeah. But yeah, so that's that's the story. I, I never forget that. Is like she she just rolled up, too. She rolled up, frankly, at a, at a place she would not have otherwise rolled up on. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, and the, the comment was, do you know she's pregnant? And I just looked at her in the face and said, yeah. As yeah. if, you know. So you just do what you got to do. Yeah, do what you got to do. Like, yeah, you already knew how to, maybe not so much how to handle it, but that you were going to handle it because that had been modeled for you your whole life. So you're just like, yep, this is the thing I have to overcome and do, and I know I can handle it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's sometimes, I think just if you're tying it back to what does it mean to be a man, or at least in my mind, is like just you do what needs to be done you take care of business, period, because people are relying on you to do that. Mm. And again, I come from a very traditional, you know, mm-hmm. background. So I'm not saying that I'm not by any means diminishing, you know, what my wife contributed and what she did and everything that she's done. She's been great uh, or what women in general. But that, like, that's what it was um, for me. It was like, I'm the man. This is a decision that needs to be made. This is what's going to happen. This is how we're going to, you know, execute on it. And not only do the, like, I want to be great at it. I want to, I want to look at the person next door and say, I'm better than you at this. Mm. That's a follow up on that. Like, growing up, you definitely embodied that. Like, I never (laughs) saw... If, if y'all were ever going through it, I didn't see it. And no, right? Um, but I would also, I'm at least imagining, you could, could surprise me here, but imagine that throughout that process of doing what needed to be done, that sometimes what needed to be done was was challenging, was hard. Um, how did you, what did you do? Because you know, this ties in the, the mental health aspect of it. Like that time, was there even any concept for you of like how you 
managed when it got really challenging and having an outlet for yourself or having people to talk to or like because it seemed to me that there would have, there was something in place that allowed you to fortify and continue to do the challenging work whether it was finishing school while you know while you were raising me and then you had me and then twins come along like there are things that well, aren't easy things to accomplish I'm just curious as to like how you navigated and managed when shit got hard <laughs> yeah well again I think you gotta have a good partner you gotta have somebody by your side who understands you and understands what you expect in terms of the relationship and then allows you to, to do that or be that or you know whatever and, and you know that I'm when I'm saying that, I'm describing your mom, right? Like that's just what she is, and, and um, you know, it may not have been an easy thing at times for her to do because it may have seemed like she's deferring. Whereas some people would say deferment, I would say it's just trust. That trust is earned, and so like when you see people in relationships that uh, may have a tendency to seem like they're deferring it's not, it's not like they don't have a voice it's not like they don't have um, their own original thoughts and, and things but it, it's it's you build up that trust over time and so one of the things that we've always had in terms of decision making within our family is that is that ultimate trust that's number one um, <clears throat> number two is I also don't want to downplay like we had a lot of people you know when you talk about it takes a village like you know your grandparents, um, you know, was there, you know, for us, they was there for you. Um, you know, they've always, you know, supported us in different ways. Uh, primarily like with making sure that, you know, you could be there with them if we needed to something, you know, if we were handling something like that. So I don't want to also don't want to downplay, like, you know, we, we had people that were, were very supportive, uh, people in our family that were very supportive. But in terms of the outlet, in terms of being able to reach out and talk to people, I think that's where that type of thing didn't exist. Just the idea, you know, like I could have something on my mind, but even my closest friends, you wouldn't, we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't cross that sort of boundary. The boundaries were, let's go have fun. Let's go kick it. You know, we can go play some ball. We can go to the bars, we can go to the clubs, we can have fun like that, but we would never get into any kind of serious conversation about what we were going through. Um, and partly because I think looking back on it, it was, you didn't trust, even with your closest friends, which is sad, but you didn't trust that they wouldn't somehow use it against, against you. Yeah. Or that you wouldn't be perceived as being weak or not being able to handle your shit. Mm -hmm. So I think when you ask about, you know, how did you deal with, with tough times? You know, I think the truth is, is that, you know, I had like two options. I could either internalize it, which is probably what I did 80% um, of the time. And the other 20% of the time, I went to your mom. But there would have been no one outside of that. Um, even uncles and even my grandfather, we didn't have, I mean, like, wouldn't have went outside 
those boundaries. Um, so when things got tough, it was, I'm either going to deal with it myself, I'm going to make it happen, you know, or, you know, you lean on, you know, the person that you're sleeping next to to, to help you, you know, absorb some of that. Um, so you're not dealing with it 90, you know, 100% of the time by yourself, just 80. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate your honesty in that. I'm glad yeah. that, uh, it's, yeah, in a way, it's kind of like what we as younger men from the, the next generation and in the mental health space are, are trying to shift is that feeling that like men can't trust one another, right? Or be open about the things that they go through. Because I think we could all attest to the fact, us three, that what we found is when you get men together in a room to talk about that kind of stuff, you, they start to go, oh, damn. Me too. I'm dealing with that. I'm dealing with that. And then that's where a lot of, you know, uh, powerful moments can come from uh, in building community. So I appreciate you sharing and, you know, being truthful in your experience with that. No, I, I agree, man. It's I, I think, you know, when I think back on it, if, if people were talking about this in the way that, um, that you guys are, and I just want to just say, you know, I admire you guys bringing these issues, um, you know, to the, to the surface and then going even deeper is that when I sit back and think about some of the people that I know who at 50, you know, my age now is like, who are kind of in a mess. You know, some of my friends from high school, some of them from college or whatever that just aren't doing well. If, if they would have had the opportunity to engage just in a in these types of conversations and let alone you know actually seeking individualized or group therapies types you know things they would be in a much much better uh you know situation and jordan you you know some of the people that i'm talking about it's like yeah. you know they they are doing not well and a lot of it goes back to you know early childhood things where they weren't able to express themselves in a way so i think it's you know super important it's never too late but i, I just know that like had they had they had access or would have been able to be more comfortable and even even all of us like it, been able to do that would have been you know very beneficial for their life's trajectory yeah i mean think about even the 20% that you have with mom is 20% more than probably a lot of guys have our generation and, and older, you know, so saying something. And again, I am really like floored as to I'm going to just chuck this up to the relationship dynamic that your family has. seems like you have processed this um, many, many times um, because I think you're exactly right. There aren't too many people your age in that age range that talk like you, especially around openness and vulnerability and like, I, I, there's a quote I shared on my Instagram the other day. It's like, just because somebody carries it well doesn't mean the weight isn't heavy. And you seem to embody that. Like, you carry your weight well, no matter what it is, but it doesn't mean it's not heavy. But you've also learned that 
the person that's next to you and the people that are behind you, depending on you, are the things that keep you going. But I like I, I am a strong believer that like everyone gets to a point where shit just hits the fan and it's heavy. Um, and you go as be as honest and vulnerable as you feel like. But like in those moments, how were you able to handle that challenge? Honestly, um, I think we've been fortunate that I don't know that it's gotten you know, to a degree where it's just been unbearable. Cause I know, again, when I, when I look at people that I've seen go through a lot, I've always been, you know, thankful and, and consider myself blessed that I didn't have to go through that, mm-hmm. you know, or I didn't have to experience what that person's going through. So I think some of it has to do with maybe the weight hasn't gotten, uh, you know, to, to, to that level. But for me personally, um, and this is going to sound corny, man, but it is the 100% truth. Like, I carry my life every day knowing that it's bigger than me mm-hmm. and that people are counting on me. I still consider myself, I still consider at Jordan, who's 30 years old, be 30 years old in a month. Like, I still consider it when I wake up every day that he's counting on me. Frankly, he's probably not counting on me for anything at this point, really, you know, but whether it's I wake up saying I've got to do good because he's counting on me, you know, there's there's this sort of, you know, spectrum or whatever as you go through life when your kids and your wife are really, really, you know, people around you, your, your, your immediate family, they are really counting on you. You know, they need you to feed them, they, you know, to bathe them, to clothe them and all that type of stuff. And I just don't allow myself to get out of that mode. I don't allow myself to think that Jordan, Caitlin and Jalen, all of whom are adults, my wife, who's in the, you know, independently successful in her career and, and doing well. And, and frankly, does she need me? I don't know. You know but the point is, is that I wake up every day saying that these are the people who are counting on me to perform and do what needs to be done today. Mm. And because I don't allow myself to think any other way, I think that's why I can just do what, again, just kind of going back to that thing, like just doing what needs to be done. Because I'm always thinking that it's bigger than just me. Frankly, if it was just me, that I've always, if I just only worried about me, I would have been happy. I would have never went to law school. I mean, I didn't grow up with anything, so I didn't aspire to like have a bunch of money and and you know wear suits and stuff like that. I, I just didn't. I was gonna go work for the factory until Jordan was born. You know what I mean? Like I would have been fine working for the same factory that my grandpa worked for for forty four years mm-hmm. if it was just about me. But then once something happens in your life to where you can identify it as being something bigger than you. And you can stay in that mode, then I think that's for me is the biggest motivation. Yeah. Or everything. Yeah. You know, and I think what happens is when people people lose that motivation because they think, oh shit, I can't wait to this, you know, this dude is eighteen, get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. Or I can't wait to, you know, they're 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 always looking at these future milestones that are to relieve them of whatever 
responsibility that they've taken on, right? And for me, I just try, I don't allow myself to do it. This is a personal thing because I know, and it's a selfish thing too. It's a selfish thing because I know that that's what I need to motivate myself. And it just so happens that others can be a benefactor of that sort of selfish way of thinking. Yeah. Sounds like you found your why and your why was so powerful that it's, it just kept you going. Like there's the, the big things that I've, I'm hearing from you is there was an example that was set. You fell in line because you saw what happened to those that didn't fall in line. <laughs> you stepped up when you had to, and you just carried your weight because you knew you had to. You found your why because that was the thing that kept you going. But also you had a village behind you supporting you. It makes sense to me that you're able to say you're blessed that it never got too heavy because I would surmise, and this is just a guess, that when it did get heavy, your village and your tribe surrounded you. So instead of feeling the full brunt of the weight, maybe everybody else felt 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, and everybody was able to handle the full 100%. You know, the grandparents stepped in to help with the grandkids. The wife was supportive. She was on her grind. She made things happen. You saw you had an opportunity to make a life for Jordan and the kids to follow. So you stepped up and did what you had to do, knowing that should you need a moment of respite, a moment of rest, you could do that and then get back to the grind. Would you like, would that be a good summary of like your, your experience on uh, so far? Definitely. Definitely. And, and I think, uh, you know, I definitely think that you're right on target with it as I, Think about it and reflect you know um it's very easy to take credit and say oh you know you did everything on your own and all that even the little stuff as i think about it because you just talked about how that weight may have been spread at 20 percent that we're talking about may have been spread amongst a whole bunch of different people to where people are just getting small single digit percentages of it but that was just enough to chip away, you know, of what I needed at in, in the moment and in those moments. And so I never really probably felt like it got, you know, too too much. There was times where things were tough. Um, but again, I, I just always try to say, you know, it's just this is not about you. There's something bigger than you. And I think that's again just you know, things that kept me motivated. I, uh, I, this has just been great to watch. Like I've just, you know, I've been kind of sitting back just watching the two of you talk about, you know, kind of this journey together of like your closeness and your connection and like how you've figured out your own identities together, but also separately. Um, I'd just be kind of curious for, you know, both Carlos and Jordan, like what advice would you have for maybe a father and son brothers, two people like in a family who, maybe aren't connecting but want to and like you know maybe want to get to a place where you guys are at like if there's a way to overcome a hard time you know yeah i'll take i'll take it first jordan and you can you can kind of, uh comment but you know I, I i can't remember when i told jordan this 
I know he wasn't an adult. Exactly what you're gonna say? <laughs> like, yeah. I know exactly what you're gonna say. Yeah, I, I I know you weren't an adult, but I'm gonna start the sentence and then you can finish it. So what did I? I always used to, and I can't remember. I, he was probably maybe I don't know, probably a young teenager. I said, "What did I say about what I've learned and what, what you've learned?" You remember that? Ooh, see now you're throwing me for a loop. I know that there's. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll give you. I'll, you say something like, "Go ahead, you got it," and then I'll I always used to say, I "Always used to tell you that I've learned as much from you as and you right. being in my life as you've probably learned from me." And I think it goes back to your point, Mook, where you said that we were really growing up kind of together, you know, um, with with him being born when I was 17. So when I say I've learned as much from you, it doesn't mean that you've, you know, you've given me some good advice over the years, but it doesn't mean that that's every instance that you're giving me advice. It's I've learned from you by just having you in my life and I can say, okay, this is how I got to do this because of Jordan. And then as he got older, then that did kind of, you know, develop into more of a, I can listen to you. I can take your feedback. I can give you an opportunity to express yourself to me um, and all those things. But at this, but the whole time, you know, when you, I was always learning something by having you in my life. And I think sometimes parents miss out on that. So then to kind of bring it back to your question, Aylin is like, if you want to have a good relationship with your kid as a parent, then I think that you have to take as many opportunities as you can to learn, quote unquote, from them and take advantage of the opportunity that they are in your life and they were put in your life for a reason and make sure that that there's a two-way street behind that and i think if you do that then that's going to give that you know parent-child relationship the best chance to be a strong um you know relationship of mutuality respect and and like you said it's actually a two-way street it's not this like authoritarian child role it's like a we can actually have a relationship and there's some back and forth and you can be a person and i can be a person and there's an actual relationship versus i'm going to tell you what to do yeah that that and also just even further though i think is like learning and maybe i'm not articulating this in the best way but like i'm i'm learning things about myself <laughs> as i'm learning <laughs> things about and from you yeah and then when you i'm sorry the mirror like there's there's a popular thing in our field like relationships are a mirror any any relationships of any kind is an opportunity to to learn about ourselves as we see other person we're interacting with like through our lens it's always an opportunity if we want to take it also realize how we're reacting to them that that reaction can teach us something about ourselves. It's this, it's this mirror concept. But yeah, so that's that's what I would say. It's just I think, you know, it's taking the opportunity 
to learn from one another, no matter how young, how old, um, you know, that, that you are or the difference in the age, you know, whatever it's like, I've learned a lot. He's taught me a lot recently in the last several years, but this also like, even as a kid, Mm -hmm. I learned a lot about him. I learned a lot about myself. And so I think that's, that's super important in, in that parent child relationship, particularly father, son. Yeah, brilliant. Great. That's, I thought you were going to say the thing where uh, we would talk about friends of mine who have strange situations and you used to always say like, if you're a parent and you and your child have an estranged relationship, ownership is on the parent. You used to always say that like, yeah, for sure. You as the parent to continue to pursue that, that relationship and not put the onus on the child. Um, yeah, that's I that I strong believer in that. Next to what you're saying. Yeah, strong believer in that. Um, you know, I, I think it's if there is any um, turbulence in that parent-child relationship. I just think it's on the parent. There's a reason you've got, you know, even you you should have more experience. You should be looking through a much broader lens. And so I think it is, you know, upon the parent to do whatever it takes to bring that situation, to calm the situation, to bring it together, whatever, the, you know, whatever needs to be addressed. And, um, you know, it, it would be on the parent in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think I would agree with you vehemently on that one, um, particularly because most of what the child learns is from the environment and the parent or the primary caregivers. So if you're seeing something that your child is exhibiting that you don't necessarily like, there's always addressed the behavior, but then there's always that mirror. Like, what is that actually saying about you? But that's a different, that's a different topic for a different podcast episode. Um, I want to be very respectful of your time. Um, we've been going for an hour. And so, uh, I just want to ask, uh, You've seen Jordan go on this journey of becoming a man. We're, in, we're embarking on this journey of educating men about men's mental health and creating spaces where it's safe to talk about uh, emotional things and, and mental health issues and creating groups and doing all these things. Um, in your experience as a man, as a father, as a husband, as a brother-in-law uh, and all these other things, if you were to give out one solid piece of advice out there for anyone who's asking themselves what does it mean to be a man what would that be Ooh, wow wow that's that's a that is a i don't know that's that's a tough one i'd like a little bit of time to think about it um I still am good or bad. I'm still rooted in, um, and I, I can't, it's, it's tough for me to disassociate manhood from parenthood. And I, I, I think you guys have probably picked up on that. Um, <laughs> and so if you do that, then you kind of go back to this notion of, you know, provider, protector, problem solver. Um, but honestly, I think that's a little bit, um, 
a little bit short-sighted, a little bit shallow because frankly not every man is is a father. Um, you know, not every man has uh, someone in his his or her you know, life that, that they are taken care of or needs to provide for other than maybe themselves. Um, so I think it's it's probably evolved, you know, well beyond, you know, what someone like me would, would think would be a traditional um, meaning for what it what it means um, to be a man. So that's that's a tough one, Mook, because I'm a, I, I can recognize that I'm probably more in that traditional thing. So it's probably not as as encompassing as it as it should be so but uh something that i will a question i will definitely think about more and would would like to you know reconnect on it because i i just have a sense that even for myself is like okay that's a little bit uh too narrow of a focus if if you just put it in the through the lens of a of a, a father husband you know that type of thing so it's a great question. Great thought provoking question, to be honest. I kind of did it on purpose because uh, <laughs> these guys will know. I, sometimes when when something hits you in the moment, you don't have time to sort through the filter. But what comes through is like the purest form of the thought. So I like to kind of catch people off guard like that sometimes because we, we've gotten some you've gotten some good gems on this podcast. <laughs> out of that but yeah, um, no doubt I, I just think it's uh, first off i appreciate the question because for me it does make me think about what something that i've never even sat back and thought about too much right and it does make me think that i could give a little bit more reflective thought to what that means i still may end up drawing the same conclusion you know maybe i'm just so rude i can't get away from my you know, from the roots there, but I, I do think it's it's definitely something that should be looked at on, on a broader uh, level. And I, I, like I said, I appreciate you guys and what you're doing, bringing awareness to, um, you know, mental health, but specifically men's mental health and the the need for people to be talking with people and um, and having you know resources available, you know, to them and, and working on their mental health is as hard as they work on their financial health, their physical health, their uh, career development and trajectory. I think uh, it's very easy to put that on the mental health on the back burner, especially if you haven't grown up with the expectation that that you would be, you know, uh, open to exploring your your mental health and, and assessing where there may be things that are lacking, you know, in the, in the strength of that. So I think it's, uh, like I said, I've, I've, I've learned a lot from, from Jordan on that type of stuff, things that I wouldn't even have even considered. I wanted, I wanted him to be a lawyer. So he said, uh, I want to help people. <laughs> so, you know, uh, but I'm super proud. Love your, yeah, love your answer though, Dad, because what you just did is, is really what we just want people to do is chew on the questions, right? Like, Explore that curiosity that comes up when you actually sit with something. So even though there wasn't this concise, you know, soundbite answer, it's really that 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 answer is better because you really processed it and are and have just committed to engaging in like, yeah, I'm gonna sit with that. 
that's really what it's what it's all about is yeah you know? sometimes admitting you don't know the answer is just being like i i don't know like a lot of times as men we're not told to do that it's like you have to have all the answers you have to know how to do all the things and even just modeling that it's being like i don't know like that's really cool to see yeah and i actually yeah. do think you gave an answer you gave an answer and your answer is like my idea of fatherhood is rooted in being or my idea of manhood is rooted in fatherhood and relationship that is how you conceptualize what it means to be a man and that's okay because that's your perspective that's a perspective that i don't have that neither of us on this podcast have yet and so i want to say i greatly appreciate that gives me a lot to think about me a lot to process and even as someone who's in this field like i feel like i've learned a lot in this one hour of just like getting out of the theory and getting into the like the actual experience of like when rubber meets the road gotta hit go mm -hmm. yeah. yeah for sure i said one gonna... thing before we finish up to um hit me when earlier when you when you said that about you wake up every day and think about the people counting on you and <clears throat> i don't know if this is why i went into this work subconsciously but when you said that I immediately like had this emotional reaction i started tearing up and maybe this has been underneath the surface for a long time maybe it just came up out of nowhere just hearing you say that because i think i know like i know you do that but i had this feeling that i just wanted to share with you which which was i think a big part of why i'm doing what i'm doing so that whether it's now or someday in the future we'll be able to I only say that other people are counting on me, but means a lot to me. I think it's driving so much of what I do that you, primarily, even other men in my life, look at me and the community that we're trying to build and say, I could count on them. I just wanted to <clears throat> share that with you because I said that and I just like, man, I hope that he feels he can count on me. In the same way that you wake up and, and know that other people got to count on you. Or you to know you can count on me, too. Absolutely, man. I mean, that's uh, never been a never been a question. Um, and, and frankly, one of the things that I think we all need to do better is when you do have people that you can truly count on, it is, you know, on you to to actually tap into that and reach out you know um for that and I, again i think something that men in our generation just frankly aren't aren't equipped um that you know like just until something happens in their life or someone comes into their life that makes them aware that of the importance you know so uh, I, I know I know exactly what you're saying, man, and definitely, um, I definitely feel as if I can uh, I can count on you, and not just me, but I feel very comfortable that also everybody in our family can count on you, and that's for me probably even more important. Um, Appreciate so. that. Dang, I love you. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> you doing this, man. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't know if there's a your boy's emotional. Yeah, I don't I don't think that we couldn't have planned that if we had Michael Bay and Martin Scorsese writing the script on that. That's the perfect way to end that. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to another episode of the Men's Wellness Collective Podcast. This is our first in a series of how to be a man uh with our dads. Um so we appreciate you tuning in. Of course, we always act as you uh, like, subscribe, leave us a comment. The episodes drop every Friday on your podcast listening device or option of choice. I have been Caleb Day, okay? Jordan Lewis, Dalen Bernie, and we have been joined by Carlos Lewis. This has been another episode of the Men's Wellness Collective Podcast. We appreciate you listening, and we will see you next time.